0: Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without
1: cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And you labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me,
0: and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare.
1: Give ear and come to me. Hear me, that your soul may live. Welcome to Springs of Living Water with Pastors Ray and Jan Greenley. Does your heart burn within
0: you today? For the holy God of heaven. Is your heart crying out today, saying, I must have more of Jesus? Today we're going to talk again with a guest, a dear and precious brother, Richard Owen Roberts. He is a preacher, he's a historian of revivals, he's an author. Today we're going to speak with him again about these these precious issues of our heart regarding the holiness of God, regarding revival. Now, before we begin our conversation again, let's just pray together. Mighty God, Mighty God, I ask today that your Spirit would come and enliven this time, Would you come and meet the cry of our heart that we'd be able to be filled with your Holy Spirit? Would you rend the heavens and come down Mm. that the mountains would tremble before you, almighty God? Mm. Yes, Jesus. Would you make your name known to your enemies today? Oh, Lord, there is no one. There is no one who can meet the need of our heart and heal the wounds of the enemy, except you, Lord Jesus, come among us today and change us. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Welcome, Brother Roberts. Thank you. We're so glad you could join us again today. You know you've been the topic of conversation and the message you shared in many homes over the last 24 hours and many have said to us is it possible to have him again tomorrow and thank you for joining us Jane we have a question you want to begin with
2: uh, thank you so much again for joining us we're eager to hear we're all
3: ears again today and yesterday you were answering one of the calls concerning the difficulty of repenting and you spoke about two views of God a low view versus a high view What is a high view of God, and how would that relate to repentance? Can you share that with us?
4: Yes, the high view is obviously the biblical view. If one were to take their Bible and to mark every passage in which God makes a revelation concerning himself, they would find that a very substantial portion of the scripture is really God unfolding himself to us.
2: Mm.
4: And the deep meditation upon these passages, these passages in which God reveals Himself, uh, have a profound impact. Let uh, me illustrate a specific uh, approach. Uh, take passages out of Isaiah
2: 46
4: as an illustration. There, God says concerning Himself, I will it. I bring it to pass
2: mm. if
4: a person were to sit for an hour quietly before that passage meditating what does that mean
2: mm.
4: how does that relate to me and if they were to allow their natural thought processes to function they would realize why I will a thing but I can't bring it to pass sure. all kinds of things that I will that I cannot do but there's nothing that God wills, that he does not accomplish, and he doesn't have to go to work at it. Mm. He just wills it, Mm -hmm. and it's done. Now, as I said, there are hundreds of passages like that, that if one meditates upon, what literally happens is you shrink, Mm. and God grows in your estimation. Now, repentance is immediately linked two appreciation a person who has a very small view of God and a low level of appreciation repents no more than they have to to get what they want Mm -hmm. but a person who has a high and an ever heightening view of God has a growing life of repentance because this is what happens when one first comes to christ if they're a perfectly average person they come basically out of self interest they come to get something from god forgiveness uh, relief from some uh, agony inward uh, a friend perhaps Uh, there could be any number of motives but the major thing is they come essentially for their own sake Mm -hmm. But as one's view of God grows, and the view of self shrinks, this whole reason for coming to God alters. So it's as if uh, in coming to Christ initially for semi, or even solely, personal reasons for gain or benefit, one has a terribly small view of the cross. Uh, let's say there's a half-inch difference of gap mm. between God and the sinner. So it takes a three-quarter of an inch gap, uh, cross to bridge that gap. So just a wee speck of repentance mm. is sufficient to please uh, the sinner who is self-orientated. But as his view of God grows from scriptures directly, that gap between himself and God Gets bigger and bigger. Before long, it's a foot, a yard, a mile, a trillion miles, an infinite distance. So the cross grows. And therefore, a tremendous sense of appreciation develops. When you think you're saved from but little, there's little for which to be thankful. But when you realize the height of God and the depth of your own iniquity and it takes an infinite cross to bridge that gap between the two. There is an inward drive toward repentance to say thank you, Lord, to live a life of holiness, to serve
0: God with all the energy and strength of body, mind, and spirit. Brother Robert, you haven't said this in so many ways, in so many words you have but you haven't said it directly but what I'm suspecting is that if we have a small view of God we must then have the converse a very large view of ourselves
4: yes I think we can lay out a pattern in fact that I find invariably true a low view of God number one a high view of self number two a distorted view of sin Mm. number three, and a ridiculously low view of salvation, Mm. number four. So we have people who, uh, if you can remember that old Brill Cream ad that used to run just a little dab, there are millions of professed Christians who have nothing more than a dab of salvation, but that's Mm. all they need in their mind because they're so nearly like God that it doesn't take any great work of God to save them. But as the view of God gets increasingly high, the view of self increasingly low, the view of sin is altered. Sin becomes more and more obnoxious, mm. more dangerous,
2: and more grievous
4: and wicked mm. against God. Excuse me.
2: And so it's
3: more distasteful.
4: Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. distasteful. And, that, and therefore, the consequence is the view of salvation enlarges. Yeah. So, rather than a dab, one wants all the salvation there is. Mm. And they can't function without it. It, does, it becomes the driving
0: force of life. So, when you said yesterday that you suspect that as much as 70% of those who call themselves evangelical Christians are as lost as the devil, you're really saying that humanism has taken over the church.
4: Well, that's exactly right, and even where one might not want to go quite that far, uh, the nature of repentance comes into this very immediately, because true repentance is not only of sin, but of self. And there's a sense in which we can say that the very essence of sin is self. If one were to analyze their own personal sins, for instance, just lay them all out in a long line, uh, not to torment yourself, but to ask this serious question, is there a common denominator that runs through all my sin life? Why, invariably one will find that there is a common denominator and that's self. Uh, we sin against God, so it's uh, me versus God. We sin against one another, so it's me versus you. Uh, sin is r- right in the very heart, or self rather, is in the very heart of our sin life. So when we come to true repentance, it's repentance of self uh, as well as sin. And... Uh, one really has to ask the question concerning your own heart. Did I repent for my sake?
2: Mm.
4: Or did I repent for God's sake? Uh, Years ago, our fathers distinguished this by an expression we're not apt to use today. They described evangelical repentance and legal repentance. Now, what they meant was evangelical repentance is what I do for God. Legal repentance is what I do for myself. or actually, it could be called ego repentance. Hmm. Uh, I turn enough from sin, I think, to gain the favor of God uh, because at the very center of my religious life is self. But when there is true and full repentance, Christ is the center, not only of one's religious life, but of their entire life. And uh, therefore, complete turning from all sin and self uh, becomes the driving force of the life.
3: So what I hear you really saying and talking about is this repentance is going to be a growing, ongoing process because I'm going to want to go closer and closer to God versus closer to myself. I want to die of self.
4: Yes, that is absolutely right. And an obvious mistake that the church is often making uh, is to suggest that repentance is a single act.
2: Yes.
4: No, in truth, repentance is an ongoing spirit, an attitude. So I don't say I am a repentant uh, or I don't say I have repented. Rather, I say, I am a repentant man. Mm. I live perpetually in repentance.
0: Mm.
4: And it's a growing repentance.
0: Mm-hmm. When I found myself uh, some 14, 15 years ago, just at the end of of myself, pastoring a very successful congregation, but recognizing there was nothing of God in it. There was simply my own skill as a, a marketing person, an entrepreneur who was doing it under the guise of the cross. And when that finally crashed into my heart and mind, and the Lord said, now close this thing, part of what I recognized is that I had absolutely no confidence that God would do what he promised he would do because I had never seen or experienced Mm. God doing anything. It seemed to me that everything was done by the hand of man. and for these past 14 years I tell you my heart cry has been and is today I want to see only that which the Holy Spirit will do and if he doesn't do it I don't want to see it
2: Right.
4: so you want it to be God's church in Mm. literal truth
0: in literal truth Yes. Mm
4: -hmm. yes exactly I had a pastor say to me once The only church I want to pastor is a pastor that is impossible unless God himself is in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure that's what it's the very heart of what you said.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: And the obvious reason we mentioned prayer meetings uh, yesterday, the obvious reason why the prayer meeting is all but abandoned in the church, is who needs God to run a man-orientated church?
2: Yes. Mm -hmm.
4: God gets in the way.
0: Mm -hmm. He messes
2: it up.
4: Yes, absolutely.
0: Let's go to another question that we desperately need to talk about, and that is what part does repentance play in revival? Because as you've already said, if God does not come, we're lost. Mm. So... How does this issue of repentance and revival fit together?
4: Well, it's a very intricate fit and a tremendously consequential one. There's a proverb that describes the backslider, saying the backslider in heart is filled again with his own ways. So let's think of a person who truly did repent and believe. There's a very marvelous sense in which when one truly repents and believes, they're emptied of themselves and filled with Christ. But the backslider, as the proverb said, is filled again with his own ways. That's true of individuals. That's true of churches. That's true of denominations. It's true of whole nations. So backsliding really is very, very prominent throughout America. Huge numbers who have had a very genuine religious experience, uh, an experience with Christ, and were once empty to self and filled again with their own ways. Or, or once empty to Christ, or self and filled with Christ and
2: filled again with their own
4: ways. Now, uh, the tragedy is... Uh, the backsliding has occurred, but they're clean in so many cases to that past
2: experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. People say to me,
4: you don't have to worry about me. I accepted Christ. I'm, I'm all right. Mm-hmm. They do not conceive of repentance as ongoing. They're not mm-hmm. uh, keen uh, to turn daily from self. So when... We speak about revival. What we're really talking about is God himself drawing near. The presence of God always in scripture resulted in some form of man falling on his face and crying out. Such expressions as, woe is me, I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips of an impure heart depart from me i'm not worthy every instance in scripture where god draws near there is this awesome sense of god's holiness and of man's sinfulness Mm -hmm. so in a season of revival in the church god draws near his holiness is manifested people are deeply shamed they're sorrowful, they're profoundly convicted, they, they, uh, they want to run away and yet they can't because the presence of God is so precious, so sweet, so significant, so hopeful, and so they tarry in his presence and are overwhelmed with a spirit of repentance. And persons who have come to that new level of repentance and revival somehow never forget it Mm. check the records of past revivals for instance years and years ago it can't be done any longer but uh, in my regular trips to wales i would meet people who were subjects of that great revival in 1904 and 1905 they couldn't Mm. forget it it was embedded deeply in their hearts the impression was so great that it lingered all through life. Now, they've all gone on to glory,
2: essentially.
4: Uh, But that's the normal effect of a revival, the awesome sense of the presence of God, the manifestation of His holiness, and the deep, deep repentance that follows. Uh, I mentioned yesterday that we wisely distinguish between revivals and awakenings Mm. so the lord appears in a manifest fashion to the church the church comes to levels of repentance they've never before known then that change in the life of the believer becomes visible in the world Mm. the world is impressed for instance uh, in washington dc there are no doubt uh, men who who run small businesses, say markets and the uh, variety stores, and uh, their neighborhood types of stores, and they know personally good many of their customers, and they hate uh, a particular church nearby because some of the leading members of that church have pilfered
2: mm-hmm.
4: over the years. But revival comes to the church and. We'll say that it starts on a Sunday morning. And by Wednesday, there's an overwhelming sense of the presence of God. So when the shopkeeper goes to unlock his front door on Wednesday, there, standing on the doorstep, is the deacon of this church who has been tofering from him.
2: Mm.
4: He says to himself, that is, the shopkeeper says to himself, what a miserable way to begin a day. Betty opens the door and he said, well, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Well, you never knew that I was stealing from you, That mm-hmm. I have been stealing and I've come to make restitution. I've calculated I've stolen $800 mm-hmm. worth of things. Uh, I've brought $500 with me, and here's an IU or an IOU for another $1,000. I'll be bringing payments in month by month wait a minute, you said you stole eight hundred, you're bringing me five hundred, you're giving me an IOU for a thousand. Oh yes, interest you see, sir. And oh I'm so Mm -hmm.
2: grieved and
4: sorry that I have done this so ashamed. Mm -hmm. Why how how many times is the shopkeeper uh, (laughs) going to face that kind of (laughs) restitution before he's at church discovering what went on?
3: And he wants to go and find out what
4: happened. Absolutely. <laughs> a, a revival in the church results in an
0: awakening in
4: the world. Yes.
0: Yeah. You know, listening to you describe this just with tears, I'm so hungry to see this and to know this revival. Yes.
4: Mm. Yes. And the records, mm. you know, the records of revival are simply incredible. Uh, I have here a record of a revival in Ireland where a huge industry there built a large new warehouse as a result of the revival because men who were touched by the Holy Spirit came bringing uh, tools of all kinds and things that they had stolen. This huge warehouse was soon filled to overflowing and the management of the company issued a notice to all employees, please do not bring back anything else. Yes. Make your confession to God, and that will be sufficient. We can't handle all the returns <laughs> that yes. you're yes.
3: That's exciting to hear that that kind of response happens in the heart of man.
4: Yes, and these are, yes. you know, are well-established facts. Yes. In, in that Revival to which I made reference in Wales, uh, and this is a literal fact. Uh, in South Wales, there were many of these deep uh, uh, mines, coal mines, down in the bowels of the earth, and there were pit ponies and uh, mules that were used down there for years. And uh, uh, during the revival, of strangest thing, most lovely thing, when you think about, it, happened. Uh, these pit mules and ponies went on strike. Mm. What had happened was these animals had been driven down in the bowels of the earth, pulling the ore carts by kicks and curses. Mm. And when a
2: revived Mm. miner came down (laughs) uh,
4: into the pit and he put his arm around his pony and he said, now, pony dear, we're here (laughs) to serve the Lord Christ today. And to begin our day's work we're going to have a song and a prayer.
2: Wow.
4: And the pony absolutely did not know how to respond to kindness mm. and had to be retrained.
0: Mm-mm-mm. Now this this kind of revival do you know of any place in America where this is taking place? No, I'm very sorry to say I do not. We hear reports.
4: But uh, if you do any investigating, uh, things are grossly exaggerated. Uh, We hear of movements where tens of thousands of people have been saved, and the chief of police in the community says the crime rate has not been altered. Mm. Well, you can't have a revival uh, of real consequence. But what the same thing will happen has happened in Wales. Uh, Day after day, judges went into their courtrooms and laid a pair of white gloves on the podium, signifying there was not a single case on the docket to be heard. Policemen, in fact, organized themselves into gospel quartets and went around singing. In the meetings, because there were no criminals to pursue, mm. the major work during that wonderful season of revival was crowd control. So many people were crowding into the churches; they feared they would collapse.
0: Mm. Wow! Lord God, Lord God, mm. you hear? The word that is being spoken, but Almighty God.
3: Whereabouts do we see that today, Jesus?
0: We need you to come Come down down. and rend the sky.
3: Yes, Jesus. Mm. You also spoke yesterday about America being the great exporters of the gospel. Do you see anywhere in the world that this kind of a revival is even beginning to happen, let alone blossoming, or even full-blown?
4: Well, we hear reports, some of which we hope are genuine. My own travels have been not exclusively, but very largely in the English-speaking world. And uh, I know nowhere in the English-speaking world where there's any real powerful work of the Spirit taking place. But we hear, as I said, of reports in some nations But uh, having no means of uh, verifying their truthfulness, I simply don't know. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm very suspicious of most of what I hear. Not suspicious of God, but knowing what liars men are Mm -hmm. and how they like to publicize themselves. Uh, I'm just fearful that things are being said in the name of revival Mm -hmm. uh, that are no more legitimate than things that are being said in local
0: churches Mm here in
2: America.
4: Brother
0: Roberts, we have just about one minute before we go to our first break. You've just written a new book, and it's been published, I understand, today. Could you tell us just quickly what that book is?
4: the, The title of the book is Repentance, the First Word of the Gospel. It's a large book, 368 pages, dealing purely with the subject of repentance, taking it in a very systematic, biblical way, uh, describing how indeed it was the first word of John, of Christ, of Peter, of Paul, of all the apostles. Uh, There's a chapter on repentance in the Old
2: Testament,
4: uh, one on repentance in the New Testament, a chapter on the seven myths of repentance, the seven maxims, of repentance, the seven marks of repentance, the seven motives of repentance. Uh, I gave a great deal of time
2: in preparation and then in writing this morning.
0: the second half of Springs of Living Water. Our guest today is Richard Owen Roberts, He's out of Wheaton, Illinois. And we
3: invite you to call with any questions that you might have on repentance and revival. That number is 1-877-534-0780. Again, that number is 1-877-534-0780.
0: Uh, Brother Roberts, you were just sharing with us this new book that you've completed. Uh, the, the title of that book was Repentance.
3: The first word of the gospel, I believe. Is that what you called that?
0: We're not able to hear. Uh, are you with us now? Yes. Yes, okay. We couldn't hear you. Oh. We're back with you. All right. Uh,
3: the book that you were just speaking about, that was called Repentance, the first word of the gospel. That's correct. That was that you said that just was published this week or today. Or? Yes,
0: we just received the first copies today.
3: Praise the Lord.
0: <laughs> uh, we'd like to give everyone a telephone number where they could order this book, and I urge you to do so. Jan and I will be ordering our copy of it. Uh, that telephone number where you can purchase that book is area code 630-752-4122. Let me give you that number one more time. It's area code 630-752-4122. If you miss the number, you're welcome to call the office at the end. The number will be given and our staff will be happy to give you that number. Uh, And I want to say, no profit from this book will go to Springs of Living Water. Uh, We simply want to get this book into your hands. There's another book, brother, you've written on uh, revival.
4: Yes, that's right. That's the title, Revival. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's the book that I've read, and it was given to me by Pastor John Hall uh, from Ohio, and that book is a treasure. Mm. So... I would urge uh, our listeners to purchase both of these books, and you can order them both at the number I've just given, 630 752 4122. Talk just a bit about some of the marks of repentance.
4: Well, that indeed is a wonderful subject and one that we need to be very serious about. Mm. Uh, immediately when you mention that comes to mind the marvelous seventh chapter of 2nd Corinthians Uh, these words deal specifically with the marks of repentance for behold what earnestness this very thing this godly sorrow has produced in you what vindication of yourselves what indignation what fear what longing what zeal what avenging of wrong! in everything you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent in the matter so in that single verse there are seven marks of repentance Hmm. earnestness or great care is number one, vindication of oneself. Number two, that that means you repent to such a level that no one can ever accuse you of being guilty of that sin again. Yes. Mm -hmm. Number three, grief Mm. or indignation. Indignation really unto grief, such deep sorrow, such Mm -hmm. anger, against self and sin let you turn completely from it number fear four a truly repentant person bears the mark of fear fear lest they anger god fear lest they disappoint christ fear lest they cause another brother to stumble a repentant person lives in perpetual fear
2: Mm. that
4: their repentance will be inadequate now not fear That's debilitating, but fear uh, that is helpful, that drives them to deeper and deeper ongoing repentance. Uh, Number five, longing. Behold, what longing, says the apostle, this very thing, this godly sorrow has produced in you a longing for holiness. How many people that we know who call themselves Christians uh, are Uh, in the grip of a longing for Mm. holiness
2: Mm.
4: not many Mm. tragically Mm. Mm. Uh, number six zeal (laughs) (laughs) why do we know people who are zealous about baseball uh, and uh, uh, zealous about uh, making money Uh, but how many have a zeal for the Lord Mm. that consumes them and then number seven the avenging of wrong now one if they're careless could (laughs) make the wrong conclusion there oh I'll avenge myself I'll get even in other words but no what the apostle is describing is avenging wrong in the sense that you make wrong right Mm
2: -hmm.
4: yes or restitution Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. these are the seven marks that Paul Mm. lays out of repentance I would urge every listener, to go uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and
0: focus on verses 8 through 11.
3: Hmm. Thank you.
0: We have lines. Every line is jammed. (laughs) And we'd like to take some of your calls. Be patient, and we'll get to as many of you as possible. Uh, But, Brother, as you're describing this, I recognize in my own life that every time the Lord has given me victory over a sin bondage that has held me over pride or bitterness, every time that the victory has come as He has given me mm. this terrifying fear of of causing Him to depart from me. Mm.
4: Yes. Yes, and that uh, that is right there, Mark number four.
0: Yes. yes where mm-hmm. I want God more than I want this sin anymore. Absolutely. And I can't have both. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yes.
4: So yeah. we could even go back to the question of yesterday. Uh, 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 what will help me with repentance? What will prompt it? Well, there you have that list of seven.
0: Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take some of the callers. I know some will want us just to pray together with them. David, welcome. Welcome, Pastor Ray, Pastor Jan.
3: Welcome, Thank David. You. We're glad you could call today.
0: What would you like to ask? Look, uh, well, I have I have a twofold
1: question. But question number one is: I, I have we gone so far in America away from God that I, I know that with God all things are possible. But uh, I have have we just gone too far? And and also I just think about sometimes the hardness of my own heart, and mm-hmm. and I just. I just want, I just need prayer.
0: Okay.
3: Thank you, David.
0: Brother Roberts, how would you answer? Hello? Somehow we lost Brother Roberts. Let's see if we can get him back. Mm. Mighty God, I just ask right now, in your great mercy, I ask right now, oh my God, that you would hear David's cry, Lord, this work of repentance has to be done in my brother's heart, and I ask by your grace and your mercy that you would accomplish this. Oh Lord God, I ask that you would accomplish this work of grace. And Lord, I ask that these marks that our brother has described would be evident in David's life, that, oh Lord, there would be a hatred of that sin, and that there would be fear of of turning aside from your way. Thank you, Lord God. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Brother Roberts, are you there now?
4: I'm back again.
0: Good. His question, in case you didn't hear it, was no, simply I was
4: cut off somehow.
0: I'm sorry. The question was, has America gone too far, or is there still hope?
4: Oh, I believe there is immense hope. God is indeed the God of the impossible. Uh, we certainly wouldn't see any hope in terms of uh, ourselves but in terms of god oh tremendous hope god isn't finished with us yet i have every reason to believe that god is going to step in and to bring this nation back to his own heart
3: Mm -hmm. thank
4: you and if one needs a little biblical ammunition we have some promises in scripture which have not been fulfilled Promises, for instance, like those found in Romans 11, that the day must come when the Jews will be provoked to jealousy Mm -hmm. by the Gentile church. No, that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) No, it hasn't. (laughs) But think of that. Isn't that incredible? That such holiness is going to grip the Gentile church, that the Jew will say that's not fair. These blessings were meant for us. Why should they have them? We're going to get in on them. Praise God. I believe there are many scriptures uh, that have yet to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And that uh, the very nature of God uh, is that he completes that work which he has begun. Uh, He that hath begun a good work in you. I believe that's true individually. I believe it's true of
0: corporate society. Mm.
3: And we're thank going to you. wait for that day yeah, of.
0: Eagerly and yeah. press into Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank David, you. thank you. Thank,
3: thank you, you. you, David, for thank calling. You. Oh, God bless you. Uh,
0: Dean, welcome. You're on live with Pastor Ray and Jan and Richard Owen Roberts. How are you doing? Good. What would you like to share?
1: Um, I have a question. I was wondering, Mr. Roberts, uh, Pastor Roberts, can explain. Expound on Second Corinthians seven one about the cleansing of ourselves.
4: Yes, uh, truly, that uh, the chapter is on repentance. So he hasn't gotten away from the subject in that first yes, verse. Truly, so that we uh, must yeah, repent.
0: Hold, brother Roberts. Hold just a minute, Dean. Yes. Dean. Yes. Could you turn your radio off? Yeah, just turn it off. Thank you. Okay, Brother Roberts, now.
4: All right, the uh, issue of repentance is right there, starting at the first verse, and it remains a prominent issue in the whole chapter. Uh, We are to cleanse ourselves. Now, part of repentance is getting away in a quiet place before the Lord and saying, Now, Lord, if I'm going to be thorough in my repentance, I'm going to have to have you lead me Mm. into those areas Mm -hmm. in which I have been oblivious to sin, the things that I have done, harm that I've done to others, grievous wickedness against you uh, that I haven't paid any attention to, I haven't kept any record of. So we have got to compile some kind of a catalog or a list of the sins. Uh, I think one of the most excellent things an individual can do is to set aside a whole day and get away in a quiet place Mm. and get down before God and say, Lord, I want a thorough cleansing. And in order to do that, I've got to know everything that's wrong that you want me to deal with today. And uh, just opening completely before the Lord and letting him pinpoint those areas where repentance and cleansing are needed.
3: What I hear you really saying is that so often we want to go to God and ask forgive me, give me, give me, give me this and now you're saying that that one of the secrets is just to go quietly and humbly and ask the Lord to speak to you so you can hear Him and you can be directed by what He's telling you that He sees in your heart.
4: Yes and and often even in terms of confession people Mm -hmm. are saying to the Lord if Uh, I have sinned, please forgive me. And I'm saying, eliminate the if. Yes. Uh, Get alone and find out what the sins are. Let the Lord reveal fully.
0: Mm. Part of what I recognize, though, is that for many, their lives are so full of television and so full of money-making that it's a strange concept to come before God to do business with him. Mm. yes I'm
4: afraid you're right but it's not too late for those folks That's right. every one of us uh, is uh, needing to learn new ways in which to draw near to God amen yes.
0: mm. Dean did that answer your question I think his cell phone went out I think we lost
3: <laughs> that's alright he heard the answer on the radio thank you
0: yes, he we did. have
3: another caller
0: welcome Nathan
1: Yes, yes. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, these last two days. They have been immensely uh, blessing to me. And I just wanted to make a quick comment and read a scripture and uh, a final comment on uh, sort of capitalize what I've been getting out of
2: the mm-hmm. program.
1: Um, we have we have set up our own standard, and we have, we're doing our own will and not the will of the Lord. And as men. Depart further and further from God Uh, Satan is permitted to have power over the children of disobedience He hurls destruction among men There is calamity by land and sea Property and life are destroyed by fire and flood And these calamities are most awful And they are unexpected And these destructions will follow one after the other But if there will be a heeding of the warnings that God has given and if the churches will repent and return to their allegiance, then other cities may be spared for a time. But if men who have been deceived continue in the same way in which they have been walking, disregarding the law of God and presenting falsehoods before the people, God cause them to suffer calamity that their senses may be awakened. Now, I just wanted to go quickly to the scriptures here in Hosea, the fourth chapter, it says, uh, verse one, it says, hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. The Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing, and lying, and killing, and stealing, and commit adultery, they break out in blood such as blood. And verse six says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I would also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I also will forget thy children. And the Lord has a controversy with us, the professed people of these last days. And the churches of the day are following in the steps of the Jews of old, who set aside the commandments of God for their own traditions. And she's changed the ordinances and broken the, the, everlasting, co- co- the uh, everlasting covenant. I'm sorry. But I just wanted just to tie it all together and talk about the solution here because we, you know, we're talking about the problem. But it's time for us, uh, the whole Christian world, to search the scriptures for themselves. And for in the pulpits all through our land, the law of God is made void by precept and example. He who instituted the Sabbath has never changed it to a common day. He rested on a definite day and blessed and sanctified a definite day. And he requires the human family to observe the definite day. And we have gotten in trouble ever since we have told our people that God's law is is no longer binding. And that has opened the floodgate of sin and woe upon this world. And we are reaping uh, the benefits or the whirlwinds as we speak.
0: Nathan, thank you. We're going to let him respond now.
1: Yes, Yes, and uh, really, to
4: substantiate what you just said, uh, I mentioned yesterday all this wonderful pamphlet material, sermons preached at solemn assemblies and national fast days. And when they catalog sins, almost invariably, the first sin on the list that they drew up, and this would be in the 1600s, 1700s, and the 1800s, almost always the first sin were violations of the Lord's Day. Mm.
2: Mm. And
4: now people act as if, well, there's no law. I mean, that's foolishness. That's Old Testament. That's nothing to do with us. And uh, absolutely, the law of God stands. And the people of God, uh, instead of having cast it aside, have it written on their hearts.
2: Mm. Uh,
4: And so they keep it Uh, with a spirit and a love and a delight that they couldn't if it were merely uh, put on them from
0: outside. Mm -hmm. Let's go to a a sharp focus, if we could, for just a moment. Uh, Brother Roberts, what kind of activity, uh, preaching, what will bring the grief that is the prominent mark of repentance? Well, the
4: pattern that the Lord seems to have used uh, universally throughout this nation in earlier days was uh, first and foremost what we've already discussed, a powerful proclamation of himself, uh, laying out the greatness of God. And then, A profound preaching against sin, tied in with careful doctrinal preaching concerning how sin must be dealt with, uh, the great doctrines of repentance, as we've discussed, of justification by faith of the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I believe with all my heart that if we were to have a return to the kind of biblical preaching that used to characterize the evangelicals of America, we would see a wonderful,
0: great awakening. Mm. Mm-hmm. That God would honor that as yeah. men and women began to cry out and say, we can't make it.
4: That's right. Uh, the preaching is so man-orientated.
0: Mm.
4: Uh, people who are already so comfortable that they're dying in their sins, come to church, and are made even more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And the preaching must be discomforting. It must arouse people Mm -hmm. out of their lethargy and their ease and and cause them to be deeply agitated. Some places where I go to preach, uh, the pastors are immensely worried. Oh, this can't be right. These people are all agitated, upset why here are some of my best people who who think they're Christians, who believe they're Christians for years, are are saying, now I doubt that I was ever saved. So the pastors want to smooth it all over. They uh, they want me to apply the balm of Gilead the rest of the week. Mm. And they're not willing to let that agitating work of the Holy Spirit produce uh, a true uh, repentance and a genuine conversion. We're in such a rush to make comments mm-hmm. that long before the Holy Spirit has said anything to a person, we're pronouncing them as saved.
0: Before we run out of time today, we need to just one more time give this telephone number. Uh, you can order the new book that has just been published, Repentance, the First Word of the Gospel, or you can order the book on Revival, And let me give you that telephone number, and you can call it now. There will be someone there at 630-752-4122. Let me give you that number one more time. Jot it down, 630-752-4122, to order the books that Brother Roberts has written.
3: Uh, Thank you, Ray, and I'd like to go back, Brother Roberts, to the one question that Ray had just asked about what would bring the grief, and you were talking about the preaching, and you spoke about yesterday about the one God, and often we have the view of God, of the Old Testament of the God of judgment, and the New Testament is the God of love. Uh, Can you review a little bit on those two different views of God and how that impacts? what you were just speaking about, man-oriented or God-oriented preaching.
4: Yes, certainly. If one is the least bit fuzzy concerning God, then their preaching will be ineffectual preaching. The preaching that has been used by the Holy Spirit in past revivals has been marked just as the preaching ministry of Christ was marked, Mm. with authority. Uh, People listen and they say, Where does he get such authority?
2: Mm.
4: Well, he gets it from true faithfulness to the Word of God, seeing things exactly as they are
2: Mm. and
4: proclaiming them exactly as they are. (laughs) And uh, when there is a ministry of authority that is under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, then there is this tremendous level of discomfort Uh, that is created, that drives people to their knees, uh, on their faces before God, pleading uh, with him uh, to forgive and to restore. Uh, I believe that every preacher needs to rethink his own preparation and style of preaching.
2: Mm. I believe
4: that men spend time in the preparation of their minds and in the formulation of their words.
2: Mm.
4: But many of them spend no time in the preparation of their hearts Mm. and in seeking the empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon the ministry of the Word. I believe, and I believe this with all my heart, that a gross mistake is made in supposing that a man... Uh, is ready to preach when he knows what he is supposed to say. Mm -hmm. He's got to go beyond that and gain, by the grace of God, the power to say it in the Holy Spirit's fashion with Mm -hmm. impact, with conviction, and uh, with uh, the alteration of the whole being of the hearer. Now, obviously, if a man is not living by the word himself. He cannot preach it authoritatively. He can say all the same things that another man says, and it comes across limp. People only preach with authority when their hearts do not condemn them. In the first epistle of John, uh, there's a statement to this effect. If our hearts do not condemn us, then we know that we have the things that we ask of him. So if a man uh, has thoroughly prepared his mind, and he says, now, Lord, bless what I'm about to do as he goes to preach, but his own conscience says, and why should God bless your preaching? And the Spirit of God reminds him, you've been prayerless all week, or you've entertained lustful thoughts, or you've focused on worldly things. It takes integrity.
0: Uh, it takes integrity. Yes,
2: exactly.
4: brother.
0: Brother, we're out of time, oh, but I want in this last minute. Would you just pray for the city of Washington and for those who've been listening?
4: Lord, we do bow our hearts before
2: yes, you, Jesus,
4: in deep concern for our capital city. Oh, that the Spirit of God might move across that city Yes,
2: Jesus. in a
4: powerful revival
2: yes, oh, for God. our
4: president. We plead for those in the various aspects of government rule that they might yield themselves to the Spirit of God, that they might bow in brokenness and confusion, that they might know true repentance and faith, that our capital city might be cleansed by the Holy Spirit. Mm,
2: Thank you, Jesus.
0: The preceding program, Springs of Living Water, has been sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.